Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com, or you can contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Avinu, thank you for your goodness to us, and uh, we thank you for your presence this morning, and we pray your blessing on your people, that your word would go forth to encourage your community, and in Yeshua's name we pray, amen. So, did you hear that they recently discovered the fossil of a new kind of dinosaur, one with a lot of anxiety? Nervous Rex. Sorry. Also available for bar mitzvahs. You know, there was a tree filled with anxiety, and he decided to see a psychologist. I don't know what to do, the tree said. Every year I get so anxious during the fall and winter I lose all my leaves. Hmm, interesting, the psychologist said. And how do you feel when spring comes? Oh, and then the tree smiled and said, oh, very relieved. A few winters back, I got more people. (laughs) Brace yourselves. A few winters back, I got into my car when suddenly an incredibly powerful winter storm surrounded me. I started the car, and I was going to put it in drive when suddenly I felt acute anxiety. This weather is terrible. How will I make it home, I said to myself. It is at this time, through a stroke of providence, I noticed a snowplow in the distance up ahead. After a huge sigh of relief, I kept pace with the plow, feeling its safety as it cleared the snow in front of me. Multiple hours passed by when eventually the the plow truck pulled over. The driver got out and he approached my car window. I rolled it down, he said, why have you been following me for so long? Are you okay? And I said, well, my parents told me to always follow a snow plow in a blizzard And when the roads feel unsafe, I thought it was a smart thing to do. And uh, the snowplow driver shrugged his shoulders and said, okay, well, I'm finished with this parking lot and I'm going across the street to do that one now, so it's up to you. (laughs) Please, I don't want your pity applause. (laughs) It seems like there's kind of a lot to worry about nowadays. Uh, there's a lot of potential anxiety out there, things going on in the world that could be concerning or scary. If you haven't guessed what I'm talking about today, well, I'll tell you. Today, I'd like us to move from Tsuris to Shalom. From Tsuris to Shalom. Oh, we like that. Okay, so what is Tsuris? Well, it's a Yiddish word that means problems, anxiety, worrying, aggravation. How many of you have experienced Suris recently? All right. Very good. Okay. If you ask Yenta this, she'd probably say, we suffer, we suffer, we suffer in silence, which I've never understood because, anyway, it's kind of ironic. And shalom, of course, which is where we're going, means completeness, wholeness, and 
peace. Yes. So how do we get from Suris to Shalom? One time I was talking to Miss Amy Howard, a member of our community. Hopefully she's on, on the Zoom call there. And she said to me, you know, you remind me of my childhood pastor growing up, Pastor Steinke. And I said, wait, is that Peter Steinke? And I sent her a picture, and she said, yes, that's him. And I said, I've never met him, but all of Tikvat Israel's leadership have read through one of his books, Congregational Leadership in Anxious Times. It's one of my go-to resources. I love this guy. And she said, uh, that is great, because that was her childhood pastor growing up when she was like 10 years old. She says she has very fond memories of him, and uh, he had a great love for people and a great love for Israel, and it was just a really cool connection. So in a way, he was kind of my mentor through his writings, just as he was her mentor growing up. So uh, I just thought that was cool. So it was a nice happenstance that Amy's childhood pastor was one of my favorite authors, and so I thought today we could hear from Pastor Steinke on this issue. What do you think? All right. Quote, this is from his book. Quote, anxiety comes from an interesting family of words. The great-grandfather is the Greek ananke, meaning throat. Everyone touch your throat here, or press together. In fact, ananke was the name of a Greek god of constraint who presided over slavery. Ananke was the word used for yokes or rings on the necks of slaves. Anxiety can hold us back, take us by the throat, and chain us like a slave. Consider some of Ananke's relatives. These are the words in different languages that um, are, uh, come from this root. So, anger is the Indo-European root, means anger. Angst in German means general dread. Angra from the Old Norse is grief. Angustus is anguish. Eng from German is narrow, right? If you think of something that's constricted. Angere, Latin, is to choke or to strangle, again with the throat, right? Angina, which is a, it's a medical condition, it comes from this root as well, is the tight sensation in the chest that accompanies dread. David, you look like you're having some angina right now. Okay, you're scaring me. I'm getting anxious looking at you being anxious. All right, stop that. So this family of words expresses tightness, narrowness, and suffocation. The same sense of anxiety as constraint is reflected in the Old Testament. This is still Pastor Stenke's words. The psalmist frequently uses the word tsarar. Tsarar, can we try that? Tsarar means human distress. And this is my own comment here. What Yiddish word do you think comes from tsarar? Tsuris, that's right. Our old friend, Mr. Tsuris. Okay, Stanke continues. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. That's the word tsarar in there. Tsarar is literally translated as narrow place. Anxiety tightens. We think in a narrow-minded way or behave in predictable patterns. The antonym of tsarar... The narrow place is yasha. Everyone say that. Yasha. What does that mean? Open space. Right? In fact, yasha can also be translated salvation, which is the base word for Yeshua. Right? The open space. 
the salvation of the Lord, the Yeshua of the Lord, right? The Lord is my light and my Yeshua, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So fear is contrasted with Yeshua, the open space. Being less anxious, we feel relaxed because there's room to breathe. People feel expansive and joyful when they have open space and freedom. Anxiety affects human functioning by tightening thinking or restraining behavior. Look at what anxiety does to repress a person. This is still from Pastor Steinke. Decreases our capacity to learn, replaces curiosity with a demand for certainty, stiffens our position over against another's. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. Right? I'm sure none of you have experienced that in your marriage, but it, it could happen. Interrupts concentration. Floods the nervous system so we cannot hear what is said without distortion and cannot respond with clarity. It's harder to, to really listen when you're anxious, right? It simplifies ways of thinking, yes or no, either or. Prompts a desire for a quick fix, like a Band-Aid that might not be helpful. Arouses feelings of helplessness or self-doubt. Leads to an array of defensive behaviors, right? We get, we get defensive, right? Diminishes flexibility in responding to life's challenges and creates imaginative gridlock, not being able to think of alternatives, options, or new perspectives. Unquote. Tarar and its Yiddish equivalent, which is what? Tzur, no, you're not saying it right. Tsuris. Try again. Tsuris. I want to hear the weight of Jewish suffering when you say that, okay? Tsuris. Okay, good. All right. So what does that mean? It gives us a visual of anxiety, which is constriction, narrowness. Mitzrayim, does anyone know what Mitzrayim is in Hebrew? It's a place. Egypt, right. It is the narrow place because it comes from the same root, Mitzrayim, Tzuris. You hear it? Tzarar, okay? So it's the place of our slavery. It's the narrow place. And in the Exodus story, what does God do? He takes us from Mitzrayim, the narrow, constricted slavery place, into where? The wide open space of the promised land. Baruch Hashem. So what's going on in our brains when this happens? Scientists who study the brain have described two different areas. So there's the back part of our brain. Everyone touch the back part of your brain here. This is the animal brain, okay? Meaning dogs and other animals also have this part. Okay? It regulates our breathing and automatic or instinctual things. It's the part of your brain at work when you touch a hot stove and your brain tells you to do what? Right? It's, it's almost like automatic. An animal would do the same thing, right? When we're anxious, this part of the brain pumps adrenaline into our system to take quick, decisive action, right? Which, in a dangerous situation, is actually... A good thing, right? You want, God uses anxiety in those situations. It's like a flight or fight. Have you ever heard that? Right? It's what God uses to get us out of danger. But chronic anxiety and reactivity in the animal part of the brain, if we're doing it consistently over and over, it's not so good, right? Thankfully, the Lord has shown us another way. The front part of our brain is the rational part. Everyone touch the front part of your brain. Okay? This is the part that does what animals cannot do. It projects into the future. It can override the animal brain with self-control or reasoning or it can imagine. 
It can think critically and abstractly about a situation, right? There was a man uh, named Phineas Gage who had a pole go through this part of his brain, and he survived miraculously. He was fine, except that his personality was totally changed. So he didn't have the reasoning part. He was, he turned, he was a very nice guy before this, and after that, he was just like, a, like an animal, like just reactive and mean and, 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 uh, because he didn't have that reasoning part in the front part of his brain anymore. So scientists, they learned what this part did from his you know, kind of tragic case. But uh, that shows us what the reasoning part of our brain is designed to do. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the thing about anxiety is that a little bit is okay if we're actually in danger. But what about anxiety over time? It's suris, sarar, narrowing, constricting. The emotions of our animal brain can be very strong. And they can constrict our ability to be rational and thoughtful, to imagine, to exercise self-control. For example, I, and I'm sure none of you experience this, but sometimes I get hangry. No, I'm not pronouncing hungry with a southern twang. All right, what am I saying? Hangry is a combination of hungry and angry, where a person might get irritable or easily upset because they are anxious and hungry. Raise your hand if you have ever gotten hangry. All right, raise your hand if someone else in your family has ever gotten hangry. Okay, I see more hands there. All right, <clears throat> all right. Wait, d babe, did you raise your hand? They, uh, they already know. I already testified that I, you don't have to double testify. <clears throat> it's going to be a great ride back to our house after this. Uh, where was I? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. I think the Israelites got hangry waiting for the manna, right? What were they doing? They gave tsuris. They gave tsuris to Moses. What? You brought us out here in the desert to starve back in Egypt. We had leeks for weeks. Yeah, baby, that was the good life, right? In which Moses probably said something like, you never had it so good. Okay, that's a little bit of a, a paraphrase. Anyway, let's get back to Pastor Steinke to see what he has to say about these two parts of the brain. Quote, despite these unique capacities, the lower brain, this part, can hijack the frontal lobes, this part. When we are apprehensive, we can use imagination to create bogus threats, Worrying beyond reason, we can conjure up a series of terrifying what-ifs. If mobilized into the service of the reactive brain, the frontal lobes can produce all kinds of defensive reasoning. When we rationalize our behavior to defend ourselves, our thinking brain is now at the command of the reactive brain. Rationalizing is defensive behavior. All defensiveness originates in the lower survival brain. Once we're conditioned to fear something, even if imaginary, our fear can gain a life of its own. Hasn't, haven't we found that to be true? Have you, have you ever experienced that? That the fear is just really strong. It's stronger than, you know, rational thoughts sometimes. Here's a list from pa Pastor Steinke about what the rational brain can do. This is what we as, can do as humans. Number one, we can project into the future. So we're capable of predicting, planning, and hoping. Baruch Hashem, right? Praise God. The left prefrontal cortex is the only part of the brain with a sense of the future. Animals stay in the instinctual moment, but humans can anticipate. 
a sense of the future endows humans with the capacity to find purpose and meaning in life, right? We can look forward to something. Without the capacity of the left prefrontal cortex, there would be no hope, no resurrection, essentially no Yeshua faith. Pastor Stinky writes, no Christian faith, but we understand that to be Yeshua faith, right? So that, this part of our brain enables us to have a hope and a future. God put this in here, right, to, to distinguish us from the animals. Humans can exercise social competence, right? We can see beyond ourselves and our own self-interest, right? We're not, it's not just about me, right? But it's to, to think about the needs and wants of others, right? To care about other people. That's what the front part of the brain enables us to do. Diane's shaking her head. You don't want to do that? <laughs> he does Well, that's not your garden, Diane. <laughs> You're only in charge of you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're not using this to shame other people. <laughs> All right. We can obtain the feeling required for identifying with another person, making possible the insight to plan for the needs of others as well as ourselves, and making love possible. We can express positive regard and compassion. So this is the part that enables us to love, which is a good thing, right? Amen. Uh, humans can observe their self and their environment. Number three, we can stand back from experience and be conscious of it. We can be aware. We can be self-reflective. Well, maybe I shouldn't have done that. That was a, probably a poor choice, right? <laughs> um, we can learn from our experience. We can look inward to discover what is happening in the outside world. A dog knows a lot, but doesn't know that it knows a lot, right? It can't think about its own thinking. It's a little meta, but, um, but we get it. Number four, humans can use imagination. We can picture different scenarios. We can create possibilities. Imagination releases us to paint outside the lines, right? We can, we can pray with God and, and brainstorm with God, right? Imagination develops options, drawing attention to the unusual, right? Sometimes he gives us a kind of an unusual idea that, well, like, oh, I never thought of that, right? But that's the wide open space of, of, of the yasha, right? Number five, humans can think critically, right? We can weigh issues. We can judge. We can discern, right? We can solve problems. We can use principles to guide behavior, right? This is why God gave us his Torah, so that we could discern right from wrong and choose the right. We employ meaning to modify innate tendencies, right? The significance of things so that we can uh, apply, we do critical thinking, right? Um, and number six, humans can regulate emotional forces. We can quiet our excited amygdala, excited uh, animal brain. We can consciously cool down reactive impulsive forces. We can exercise self-control. Why is that? It's one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Something that God enables us to do. Humans can self-monitor. We can provide internal supervision, right? We can set a guard on our hearts. He said, above all guarded things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So we get to decide that. We can monitor our own brain, right? We can manage sensory input. We, we determine what comes in our brain through our eyes, right, and our ears, right? If we're watching something or listening to something that is not good for us, we can choose to turn it off. Does that make sense? So the thing is that God speaks to our reasoning brain to overcome the animal brain. Think of God's advice to Cain, right? What does he say? Sin is crouching at the door like an animal, but you must do what? Overcome it. Here are some examples of scriptures that address this idea. 
Ephesians 4 says, be angry, but do not sin, right? You, you got stuff going on back here, but don't let that override you. Grieve, but not, do not grieve as one who has no hope, right? This is what I was praying for those that were mourning when I was praying the Kaddish earlier, right? We, we can grieve, we can feel deep loss because of death, right? But that doesn't mean that we're without hope because God has given us hope and the ability to think about the future that he has for us. Amen? We can, in thinking, be mature, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, scripture says, have no anxiety about anything, right? <laughs> How could we possibly do that, right? But we're giving over to the Holy Spirit, right? And allowing him to speak to us, right? Uh, scripture says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, right? That would be the animal brain. If someone hurts us, the animal brain wants to do what? React and hurt them back, right? But God has given us a different way, right? To respond to evil with good, to respond to hate with what? Love, right? Bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse them, right? An animal can't do that, right? But we as humans, we can in Messiah. We can do that. Self-control, as I said, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? About Yeshua, it says, when he was abused, he did not return abused. When he suffered, he did not threaten, right? He, he has a different way of doing this. If someone offends us, Yeshua instructed us to do what? Get him back? No, right? Walk a mile, a second mile, or turn the other cheek, right? These are all examples of the rational brain that Yeshua was speaking to. In other words, God has given us the capacity to turn our tsuris into what? Shalom. By wrangling our thoughts, right? I say wrangling. Why do I say wrangling, right? I'm picturing myself with a, a rodeo rope. That's probably not the right word, okay? But I'm going with it. And I'm rounding up those wayward thoughts, right? And I'm bringing them into captivity, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? We bring our thoughts into captivity to bring them into submission to Messiah Yeshua, right? So you got, sometimes you got to wrangle them because they're, you know, rah, rah, thoughts, right? They're going all over the place, okay? We don't have to be ruled by the anxious, animal, reactive part of our brain. We can, in the power of the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, follow the way that Yeshua taught us, right? To respond instead of react. We can manage our anxiety. We can calm and wrangle our thoughts. We can take our time and respond with our creative brain. Another picture I think is helpful that I mentioned earlier is gardening your heart and mind, right? What are the worries and anxieties in your garden? Well, those are the weeds. Eric, do weeds belong in your garden? They do not. So God says, you can pull those weeds, and what do you do with them? You can give them to the Lord. Right? He said, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Can we try, try to say that? Cast your cares on him. Repeat after me. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Right? So think about giving him your worry weeds, right? You don't need them. It's not doing you any good, right? They're choking out the flowers, right? You can get rid of them. Okay? Um... 
Another thing that I think is helpful for us staying in the human brain and away from the animal brain is humility. Think of King Nebuchadnezzar in the story of Daniel. Do you know what happened to him in chapter 4? Well, let's take a look. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, the king exclaimed, Is this not the great Babylon that I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Ooh, look at me. He definitely would have had an Instagram account if that existed, right? Lots of selfies. Look at all this stuff. Look how great I am. Right? The words were still in the king's mouth when a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, it has been decreed to you that your kingdom has been removed from you. You will be driven away from men and you will live with the beasts of the field. Why beasts? Why animals? Because it's the animal part of his brain. If you're going to act like that, you might as well go live with them, right? You will feed on grass like an ox and seven periods of time will pass over you. That's seven years that he was like this until you come to know that the Most High is sovereign over the realm of mankind and gives it to whomever he wishes. The key part here is you don't, we don't want to be eating grass with the cows, right? So how do we avoid that? Humility. Humility. Every good and perfect gift, as John reminded us earlier, comes from the Lord. It's him. It's him. Right? Pride and gloating, anger, jealousy, the way of Cain... That leads to being like an animal, reactive. Humility and relying on God leads to responsive, thoughtful, and self-controlled behavior. This brings us to the Haftarah portion, which gave me the idea for this sermon. Isaiah here is speaking of the restoration of Zion, and he comforts her by saying this, For your waste and desolate places and your destroyed land will now surely be too small, Tetsri, for your inhabitants, and those who swallowed you up will be far away. And the too small is the constricted, it's the tsuris. The children of your bereavement will yet say in your ears, this place is too cramped or too narrow for me. Tsar li, there's too much tsuris here, right? Make room for me to settle in. The problem is that the desolation and lack of people has turned into narrowness and anxiety, even though it's technically a good thing. The children here are kvetching. They're complaining. God has restored us so much, there's no space for me. I got so much surus, I fear verklempt in my genetigazoint, as Mike Myers used to say. What's helpful here, as Rabbi Russ Resnick advises, is the three R's. Number one, reframing. When we're in the narrow place, we can reframe our situation. We can describe it differently. It is crowded, that's true, but it's also a blessing because it means that God has filled the streets of Jerusalem once again. He has brought restoration to Zion. Rabbi Russ also recommends quiet, thoughtful time in Scripture every day if possible. If you miss a day, you know, don't worry about it, but try to be consistent with our scriptural time, especially Uh, The best part of Scripture that's very good for this is the Psalms, right? Because they are reflecting on what it means to have tsuris, to have problems, and to see the shalom of God there, right? 
and also uh, journaling and reflecting. So that's the third R, can be helpful for wrangling our thoughts and hearing from Hashem as well. How many of you have a journal that you, that you write in occasionally? Yeah, isn't that helpful? Yeah, I, I would recommend that. Okay, so Rabbi Russ has three R's in his name, Rabbi Russ Resnick, and that's probably why he has these three R's as recommendations for anxiety. Reframe your narrative, respond to anxiety with quiet time in the Torah, and reflect in your journal. I'd like to close with this quote from Yeshua in John 16.33, and I really like the CJB version because it speaks directly to what we've been talking about here. Here we go. I have said these things to you so that, united with me, you may have shalom. In this world, you have tsuris. That's actually what David Stern wrote here. <laughs> That's how he translated it. In this world, you got tsuris. But be brave. I have conquered the world. So let us humble ourselves and call on the Lord who brings us from the narrow, constricted place of anxiety into where? Into the broad place of shalom and rescuing. Let us wrangle our thoughts and bring alignment to them with the truth of the scriptures. Let us activate the rational part of our brain, the self-control, reasoning, and responding instead of reacting. Let us reframe our negative thoughts, respond through scripture, and reflect. Now may the Lord of Shalom himself give you shalom at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Shabbat Shalom.